0: This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went, tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor, man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Today I have Keith Weinholt. He is the owner and operator of GetRichEducation.com and the Get Rich Education Podcast. He began buying in Anchorage, Alaska with a fourplex and then ultimately grew that nationally and internationally from there, too. He's the founder of GetRichEducation.com, host the Get Rich Podcast. He's an active contributing writer to the Rich Dad Advisors blog, and he interviews guests such as Robert Kiyosaki, Harry Dent, and Harry Aker. How you doing, Keith? Hey, great, Lane. Thanks for having me on. So I just wanted to say that your podcast was one of the inspirations to making my own podcast. I really like what you say on your podcast, a lot of mindset stuff and less technical things that I would like to cover in my podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of them just kind of glaze the top over it. You definitely put your spin to it. So I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thanks. Well, I'd like to think that Get Rich Education is not a landlording show. It's an investing show. One's best and highest use is not being a landlord. As much as I appreciate landlords, it's a low-paid and not highly respected field, and one's best and highest use is being an investor. So we talk about a little bit of landlording, but because your best and highest use is an investor, that's what we talk about. And everyone's an investor. Everybody out there is an investor. How do I know? Because you are listening to the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast, Right now, you're investing your time in something. So, talk about your best and highest use as an investor, not replacing pieces of vinyl plank flooring or cove base in a bathroom. That's not your best and highest use.
0: Right. Work on your business, not in your business. You know, funny
1: thing, I've been
0: talking about this flip that's been going on right next to me. I've seen them probably since like. September, October, screwing around with this thing. And the owner comes driving up with his Mercedes like every night and they're always screwing around. They're putting sod in there now because it's like winter time. I'm like, geez, that is definitely not your guys' highest and best use.
1: Some life you're creating for yourself. Yes.
0: Yeah. You guys enjoy that $40,000 of profit at the end of that, all that mess. <laughs> so Keith, how much simple passive cash flow are you making today and how are you doing it?
1: Thanks. I mean, I do it through buy and hold real estate investing. I'm pretty fortunate. I've got all my expenses covered for really a life that's full of meaning and above average home for my wife and I. Plenty of time for giving and really plenty of time for exercise and travel. And Lane, I see wealth really is being measured in time. If you didn't have to do anything for anybody how much time could you do that for? Measure that period of time. It's that amount of passive income that you've opened up for yourself, these recurring streams of income, not a lump sum, not a pool of income. How long can that stream propel you until you have to do some work? So you know, I really measure wealth that way.
0: You say that very eloquently. Wealth is not how much money you have. It's how much time you can last with your passive income.
1: Yeah, so money's kind of the conduit to that. We're thinking about what we want. This is an investing show. Of course, we do want money, but money's not what we ultimately want, okay? So really, we want to buy passive income, buy rental doors to create cash flow for ourselves, that passive income stream. But it's really what that cash flow creates for us and that time that it opens up for us. And it goes even deeper than that because really we want to fill that time with touchy-feely things like peace, joy, happiness, love, and freedom. And it actually even goes beyond that because things like joy and happiness – those are mere emotions. Emotions are temporary. Fulfillment is deeper. So it really goes all the way to fulfillment, bringing it all the way back to the beginning of the conduit with buying a passive rental doors. And that's really the compelling why for why we're doing all this stuff. So the guy at home is probably
0: asking, thinking to himself, I want to get 100% of my daily needs met with this passive income. What's that number? How many units do you have or how much do you need
1: to achieve that? I think it depends on any given person and their lifestyle, but... What I would say is don't live below your means, expand your means. Think of a passive income number where you can live well and give well and travel places you would never thought you could go, touch people who you didn't know you could touch. Don't spend your time thinking about how you can live below your means, but expand your means. I would say the expansion part probably comes somewhat later in the process. It's more important first to get free, to not be trapped in a job that's like sandpaper on your soul. So first, kind of focus on getting free and then emphasize thinking in more expansionary terms once you've gotten yourself free.
0: Yes. I always thought I'm pretty cheap. And my goal was always to leave the W2 day job because that was the soul sucking thing that I had to go through every day. And that was the primary goal. For me, it wasn't a number. I needed to replace this income. And that's how I back engineered that number. What about yourself? Did you have that same thought process going about this that you had to get a certain number?
1: I thought more about how I have to free up my time as early as I possibly can because I want to think about the kind of life that I'm creating for myself. So really, Lane, before I had enough passive income to quit my job, I got rid of self managing. I self managed for five and a half years, okay? I started off by buying a fourplex building, living in one unit and running out the other three. That's the first home I ever owned and expanding from there. But by the time I had eight units, two apartment buildings, and I only had $1,500 of monthly cash flow when I owned those two fourplex buildings, by that point though, I was already getting stretched pretty thin, living in my own home, self managing two fourplexes, I'm not a natural handyman either, but the reason I kept managing for five and a half years is because most of the other people that were in my position were self-managing. and You know what they told me, Lane, and this is kind of a limiting belief, it's that no one's going to take as good of care of your property as you do, so you must self-manage. Actually, those people are right. No one is going to take as good of care of your property as you, but it's not worth doing it yourself to get that last 3% of perfection. So when I outsourced my management, when I stopped thinking small, when I stopped doing those toilet repairs all by myself, when I stopped taking and screening tenants myself and I outsourced that to somebody else – that's when I was really able to grow. That's when, for example, I was able to go read books written by the real estate guys or the Rich Dad advisors and learn about how a 1031 exchange could make me a lot bigger with the existing equity that I had in the fourplexes. I soon took the equity from those two fourplex buildings and converted that into 20 units, and I was on my way to more passive income. At that point, I was at uh, 4000 to $4,500 of passive income after I 1031 ed out of the two fourplex buildings and into the two larger apartment buildings. So it's really that thinking bigger, that expansionary thought. And you know what? I couldn't have possibly seen going from 8 units to 20 units if I had stayed a self-manager because it would have spread me too thin. So it was really a progression to the next step. If I were still self-managing... I wouldn't even be talking to you right now. We wouldn't have been able to meet because I'd be so hassled and harried with all these little tenant texts and communications. It's not my best and highest use.
0: All right. Show me somebody who self-managers their property and I'll show you a landlord, not an investor.
1: Yeah, exactly. Not our best and highest use. So that's just an example of that right there.
0: I hear that kind of ticks me off because... Here you got these real estate investors or so-called investors. They're just really landlords. They'll say that real estate's such a good investment vehicle that you can have the bad strategy and still make a lot of money. They kind of laugh at me for going across country and not seeing my properties and being hands off. Right. Here they think, who's this kid doing this stuff? And I'm like, well, you know, what do I know? Don't listen to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're seeing the big picture and they're not. You know, Typically, when you're a self-manager and you look to add another property, well, you're thinking small because you're staying in your local geography and you're thinking about the property. What's that next property I can get? What's that next property, usually in my same hometown, that I can get? But they're thinking exactly backwards. They're asking themselves the question, what property can I get next? Well, I think you and I both know, Lane, in real estate investing, the property is only the fourth most important thing, so their strategy is backwards, and yours is correct because you're investing in different markets like I do. The market is more important than the property. If you've got a bunch of great apartment buildings in your town – If the market goes downhill, if out-migration begins to exceed in-migration, if there aren't enough tenants that produce jobs and you don't have a durability of an income stream in that specific geography, you're in bad shape. So the market's more important than the property. Number one in real estate investing is what do you want? It starts with you, the investor. Are you looking for cash flow? Are you looking for leverage for lifestyle investing for tax benefits, what are you looking for, second is that geographic market, third is that team, especially that property manager, and then fourthly, and only fourthly, is the importance of the property because if those above three criteria are not met, what fits you, what's the market, and who's the team, it doesn't matter how good the property is. You get out and invest out of market, especially in the market that you're in. It's a tough one. And that's why you're more successful than most.
0: Right. That location is a big thing. I always tell people, well, I didn't select the college that I went to because I was next door.
1: Exactly. A lot of people get skittish about living in Seattle and investing in Little Rock, Arkansas or living in Anchorage, Alaska and investing in Oklahoma City. But those people don't have any problem with investing in Cisco stock that's located Two time zones away from where they are. Plus, they don't have any control over the Cisco stock. They're not sitting in shareholder meetings. They they don't have much control over what they're doing. We have a lot of control, even though someone else manages property for us. We don't have any problem with that. But a lot of people that do have problems with that don't realize they're doing it with less control in stocks already. So Keith, you are uh, managing your property. What was it that made you take the shift that think bigger? Was it a book you read? Was it just something you saw? I think it's mostly I didn't like my quality of life when I was self-managing. I knew there had to be a bigger process than that. I was really reading the Rich Dad Poor Dad book in 2001 that got me to thinking bigger, that got me to buy the fourplex and make that my first home. I really think it was just the fact that I feel like I have a better and higher use and I'm kind of passionate about the numbers and kind of passionate about the numbers concepts and I realize that that's where the real wealth is made as I read more and more books. It's certainly not in self-management. I think it was just a natural progression to best and highest use. It was a realization in just knowing kind of how many ways that I'm paid in real estate. You know, once you get educated in real estate investing, you learn that you're paid five ways at the same time in real estate investing. So I wanted to go out and maximize that. I knew that there were ways to think bigger. You're paid five ways in real estate investing at the same time. Number one's appreciation. Number two is a monthly cash flow. Number three is the loan pay down made by somebody else. Number four are great tax benefits. And then fifthly, it was the inflation hedging that you get when you go ahead and take out a loan. I just think it was a realization of that that made me want to get up, get out, and go bigger. And I think another turning point was, you know, in the year 2012, I went on a real estate guys field trip to Dallas, Texas, and that really opened up the world to turnkey real estate investing to me. This is just less than five years ago now that it really is easy to just kind of almost snap your fingers and have a property for you in a different geographic market, already renovated, already tenanted, and already under management. That really helped me pivot to something bigger and investing outside my own local geography. It's easier to do than ever these days with turnkey real estate investing.
0: What's your worst life or business moment and what did you learn from it?
1: (laughs) Boy, I've got so many of them and I still have problems. One problem when I was still self-managing was I rented a unit when I was living in the fourplex. I had a unit vacant right next to me, and I rented a unit to girls just simply because they were attractive. (laughs) I didn't want to take the time to check their credit. I was having fun and doing other things in life. But as good as they looked, even if they had a 440 credit score, I probably would have given them the place, and that was wrong. They tried to hide a dog on me, and you're not allowed to have pets. They had loud parties, and I never got an invite to the party. I really learned a lesson that you really need to do your due diligence on your tenants. That's where your income stream comes from. When I got smart and sold my
0: primary residence to start investing in investments that actually made sense... I need a place to diversify quickly as opposed to some money market or some high reward checking account. Let's face it, turnkey rentals are cool and some vacations are great, but they don't come around often. I stumbled upon the American Home Preservation. The owner, George Newmery, once apartment syndicator too, is now sponsoring the podcast. His fund cuts the middleman out to crowdfund the solution to the mortgage crisis in America. They are empowering you to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages and earn returns that smoke any other passive fund. If you find something else better out there, let me know. Oh, yeah. They work with families to keep them in their home after buying the underwater note at a huge discount. It's an opportunity to make an impact on families and communities while earning returns. Start investing with as little as 100 bucks in investinahp.com. If you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at com. What is your simple passive cashflow number? And imagine you had two times that amount. What's that number you're going for these days?
1: I don't know. I think for most people, it seems like 10K is a popular number of simple passive cash flow, of money that you don't need to work for. Now, if one were to double that, I think they can start to have an impact. They'd have enough of a cushion where they can go ahead and start giving back to others.
0: Yeah. Maybe describe your ideal day. You know, what would you be doing at that point?
1: An ideal day? I kind of already live fairly ideally with the life that I live now. I don't work for anybody else. I do run my own show. I don't have a job. I don't take orders from anybody. I think really the value of having all the time opened up is you really have open space and time to think. Your mind isn't clouded with kind of E-quadrant employee duties. Just the fact that I can exercise at the peak energy level and the peak time of day, that's something of great importance. This is an investing show here, Lane. The importance of being physically fit and having a good body, that's even more important than investing well, I think. And when you do invest well and you do have a good body, they kind of go together. Because if you're going to live a long time, you're going to need a passive income stream for a long time. Having a good body, being able to exercise at your peak energy time of day, it's just really difficult to put a price on that. And that's something a lot of people just aren't thinking about
0: add on top of that, you got to be the complete package. You can't just have real estate. You can't just have passive income. You got to have the physical, the relationships, and you got to have the spiritual. You got to have fun too along the way.
1: Yep. The financial is certainly one facet, but you know, it trickles down into everything and money really does matter.
0: Something that you have recently thought about burning your cash on for a time savings or an improvement in quality of life. <laughs>
1: Huh, there's a couple of things. For one thing, in a business sense with Get Rich Education, using these VAs called leverage VAs, VAs means virtual assistant. Virtual assistant's a real person that's just doing work for you in a different location. They're fifty dollars an hour and they're really the first employees that I'm starting to pay fifty dollars an hour to and I wanna go ahead and do more of that if they're able to do more best and highest use and higher level things for Get Rich Education. For example, redesigning our newsletter and sending out our newsletter for optimum engagement so that we can help more people. And another thing that I really want to do, Lane, most likely here is I want to climb North America's highest mountain. It's called Denali. It's over 20,000 feet tall, and it's right here in my home state of Alaska. And I can even see it from my home city of Anchorage, but that takes a considerable amount of preparation and time, like weeks in order to do it and hiring a guide and all that. So I'm getting into position where I can open up time to do stuff like climb the continent's highest mountain.
0: Last question here, Tony Robbins identifies two large concepts that we're continually struggling to gain perfection at. The first is the art of fulfillment, and the second is the science of achievement. If you died tomorrow, what would be your uh, secret or hack to the science of achievement First, Any secret habits to share?
1: I don't know if I have a complete understanding of the science of achievement, Lane, but really what I would say is people need to value their time more. When I left my job, a lot of my coworkers were pretty surprised and they asked why you're leaving. And my number one thing is like, this job just takes so much time. I care about all you people. I care about this place. But how are you going to do something world-changing While trying to keep on a given career track, okay, how are you going to do something world changing by making maintenance of job security a central priority in your life, okay, they just don't go together. It's the importance of opening up your time. You have the ability to live life, and this is not a rehearsal. This is your life. What most people do, they get out of high school, they might get out of college, and it's about time for them to start a job and come of age, and they just go right down and funnel into living a small life. But no one really sets out that way. No one says, I really want to live a small life, but that's exactly what they do. They go live a small life. They meet a future spouse that they can live a small life with, and then they have children and live a small life with them, too. I'm trying to be encouraging. It just doesn't need to be that way. You need to do the things that open up time to give you the fulfillment in the end.
0: You know, it kind of makes me laugh, Keith, is at work. I'm sure you remember this, too, that there were certain processes or... Bureaucracies you have to follow, and you know, the coworkers just joke around saying, Hey, that's job security. <laughs> but then wait, like, that's so stupid. <laughs> I mean,
1: what are we there? <laughs> We're just wasting our time exactly what are we there for and you know the other joke in the workplace is that oh well you'll spend more time with each other as coworkers than you do with your own family ha 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 well that joke right there that never made me laugh so i think the other thing that i would say lane is when one goes through life and they think about quitting their job and they're kind of on that pivot point by replacing their income with passive income from real estate i would say don't answer your questions because you'll just keep answering your questions in the same way Instead, start questioning your answers. When you start questioning your answers and the same answers you've been programmed to give yourself your entire life, you're gonna migrate to a better and higher use. So don't answer your questions. Start questioning your answers. What is your secret or hack to the art of fulfillment? How do you contribute back these days? You can see where we're giving at getricheducation.com slash giving back. Living well and giving well. And making an imprint in other people's lives, leaving a dent in the universe is just the kind of thing you're going to be able to do when you've opened up time with passive income.
0: Anything we miss, Keith, that you'd like to get out there, your contact information, where people get a hold of you?
1: Before I give that, I just think of one final thing I'd like to say is be bold. In life, you don't have to be the most intelligent. You don't have to be the best connected. You don't have to be the most articulate, and you sure don't have to be the most wealthy. Be bold. When I moved from Pennsylvania to Anchorage, people thought I was nuts. It's one of the best things I ever did. Same thing happened when my first home ever was a fourplex. Same thing happened when I 1031 exchanged my profitable buildings into larger buildings. Same thing happened when I quit my job. And the same thing happened when I started the get rich education podcast. So being bold, it just can't be overstated. And you can learn more about me at getricheducation.com and the get rich education podcast.
0: Right. I agree. Go big or go home. Cause if not, what's the point, right?
1: exactly as long as you're thinking you might as well think big it doesn't take any more energy
0: (laughs) all right keith well i appreciate jumping on the call i urge everybody to get a hold of you go to the website and check it out